episode 55. When Winston woke, it was with the sensation of having slept for a long time, but a glance at the old-fashioned clock told him that it was only 20.30. He lay dozing for a while. Then the usual deep-lunged singing struck up from the yard below. It was only an hopeless fancy. It passed like an April day. But a look and a word and the dreams they stirred, they have stolen my heart away. The dribbling song seemed to have kept its popularity. You still heard it all over the place. It had outlived the hate song. Julia woke at the sound, stretched herself luxuriously, and got out of bed. I'm hungry, she said. Let's make some more coffee. Damn, the stove's gone out, and the water's cold. She picked the stove up and shook it. There's no oil in it. We can get some from old Charrington, I expect. Well, the funny thing is, I made sure it was full. I'm going to put my clothes on, she added. It seems to have got colder. Winston also got up and dressed himself. The indefatigable voice sang on. They say that time heals all things. They say you can always forget, but the smiles and the tears are crows. The years they twist my heartstrings. Yet, as he fastened the belt of his overalls, he strolled across to the window. The sun must have gone down behind the houses. It was not shining in the yard any longer. The flagstones were wet as though they had just been washed. And he had the feeling that the sky had been washed too, so fresh and pale was the blue between the chimney pots. Tirelessly, the woman marched to and fro, corking and uncorking herself, singing and falling silent, and pegging out more diapers and more and yet more. He wondered whether she took in washing for a living or was merely the slave of 20 or 30 grandchildren. Julia had come across to his side. Together they gazed down with a sort of fascination at the sturdy figure below. As he looked at the woman in her characteristic attitude, her thick arms reaching up for the line, her powerful, mare-like buttocks protruded, it struck him for the first time that she was beautiful. It had never before occurred to him that the body of a woman of 50, blown up to monstrous dimensions by childbearing, then hardened, roughened by work till it was coarse in the grain like an overripe turnip, could be beautiful. But it was so. And after all, he thought, why not? The solid, contourless body like a block of granite and the rasping red skin bore the same relation to the body of a girl as the rose hip to the rose. Why should the fruit be held inferior to the flower? 
She's beautiful, he murmured. She's a meter across the hips easily, said Julia. That is her style of beauty, said Winston. He held Julia's supple waist easily encircled by his arm. From the hip to the knee, her flank was against his. Out of their bodies, no child would ever come. That was the one thing they could never do. Only by word of mouth, from mind to mind, could they pass on the secret. The woman down there had no mind. She had only strong arms, a warm heart, and a fertile belly. He wondered how many children she had given birth to. It might easily be 15. She had had her momentary flowering, a year perhaps of wild rose beauty, and then she had suddenly swollen like a fertilized fruit and grown hard and red and coarse. And then her life had been laundering, scrubbing, darning, cooking, sweeping, polishing, mending, scrubbing, laundering. First for children, then for grandchildren. Over 30 unbroken years. And at the end of it, she was still singing. The mystical reverence that he felt for her was somehow mixed up with the aspect of the pale, cloudless sky, stretching away beyond the chimney pots into interminable distance. It was curious to think that the sky was the same for everybody, in Eurasia or East Asia, as well as here. And the people under the sky were also very much the same, everywhere all over the world, hundreds of thousands of millions of people just like this, people ignorant of an, one another's existence, held apart by walls of hatred and lies, and yet almost exactly the same. People who had never learned to think, but who were storing up in their hearts and bellies and muscles the power that would one day overturn the world. If there was hope, it lay in the prose. Without having read to the end of the book, he knew that that must be Goldstein's final message. The future belonged to the prose. And could he be sure that when their time came, the world they constructed would not be just as alien to him, Winston Smith, as the world of the party? Yes because at least it would be a world of sanity. Where there is equality, there can be sanity. Sooner or later, it would happen. Strength would change into consciousness. The proles were immortal, and you could not doubt it when you looked at that valiant figure in the yard. In the end, their awakening would come, and until that happened, Though it might be a thousand years, they would stay alive against all the odds. Like birds, passing on from body to body the vitality which the party did not share and could not kill. Do you remember the thrush that sang to us that first day at the edge of the wood? He wasn't singing to us, said Julia. He was singing to please himself. Not even that. He was just singing. The birds sang, the proles sang, the party did not sing. 
all around the world, in London and New York, in Africa and Brazil, and in the mysterious forbidden lands beyond the frontiers, in the streets of Paris and Berlin, in the villages of the endless Russia plain, in the bazaars of China and Japan, everywhere stood the same solid, unconquerable figure, made monstrous by work and childbearing, toiling from birth to death and still singing. Out of those mighty loins, a race of conscious beings must one day come. You were the dead. Theirs was the future. But you could share in that future if you kept alive the mind as they kept alive the body and passed on the secret doctrine that two plus two make four. We are the dead, he said. We are the dead, echoed Julia dutifully. You are the dead, said an iron voice behind them. They sprang apart. Winston's entrails seemed to have turned into ice. He could see the white all around the irises of Julia's eyes. Her face had turned a milky yellow. The smear of rouge that was still on each cheekbone stood out sharply, almost as though unconnected with the skin beneath. You are the dead, repeated the iron voice. It was behind the picture, breathed Julia. It was behind the picture, said the voice. Remain exactly where you are. Make no movement until you are ordered. It was starting. It had started at last. They could do nothing except stand gazing into one another's eyes. To run for life, to get out of the house before it was too late, no such thought occurred to them. Unthinkable to disobey the iron voice from the wall. There was a snap as though a catch had been turned back and a crash of breaking glass. The picture had fallen to the floor, uncovering the telescreen behind it. Now they can see us, said Julia. Now we can see you, said the voice. Stand out in the middle of the room. Stand back to back. Clasp your hands behind your heads. Do not touch one another. They were not touching. But it seemed to him that he could feel Julia's body shaking. Or perhaps it was merely the shaking of his own. He could just stop his teeth from chattering, but his knees were beyond his control. There was a sound of trampling boots below, inside the house and outside. The yard seemed to be full of men. Something was being dragged across the stones. The woman singing had stopped abruptly. There was a long rolling clang as though the wash tub had been flung across the yard. And then a confusion of angry shouts, which ended in a yell of pain. The house is surrounded, said Winston. The house is surrounded, said the voice. He heard Julia snap her teeth together. I suppose we may as well say goodbye, she said. You may as well say goodbye, said the voice. And then quite another different voice, a thin, cultivated voice, which Winston had the impression of having heard before struck in. And by the way, while we are on the subject, here comes the candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. <laughs>